Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Welcome in. Anybody episode NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Her Street is on the Presented by the Fern Sportsbook. It is Wednesday, April 12th. 2022 to 23 people. Where is my brain? I hope everybody's doing I hope everybody is having a great day. We got ourselves a jam-packed midweek, mid-April episode of the Aaron Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We're going to open some big news out of Duke. May have heard of him. John Shire, Coach K was there for a couple of years, may have heard of him. Their best player, Kyle Filipowski, he announced he's coming back, while their best recruit announces that he is not coming at all. What does the Kyle Filipowski news mean for Duke? Are they preseason number one? And then that five-star, Mackenzie and Baco, where could he end up? What does it mean for Duke? But also, what schools could be interested? Because I think there are a few that are worth keeping an eye on. From there, we'll take a quick break. I don't want to do a ton of portal stuff today. We've done nothing but portal over the last couple episodes. So what we will do is instead focus on a couple portal news and notes. But then we will also... Get to a College Hoops mailbag. Okay, I've gotten a lot of great questions on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com as well. And I'll react to some of the best ones, including there is a juicy Adama Sinogo. Remember him from UConn? Transfer rumor on that front. We'll talk about that. Uh, uh, Ugana Onyenso, I'm going to trip over his name, from Kentucky. Could he be coming back after entering the portal? Oh, by the way, Rick Patino, as I record, still has not gotten his first commitment yet. St. John's friends are freaking out. We're going to discuss all of that. So busy show, fun show, wrap with a mailbag. As always, you can put uh, your questions at Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com. But we got ourselves a loaded midweek episode of the podcast. So with that said, let's not waste any more time and let's get to the topic of the day. If you listen to Monday's show, you know that a big part of following college sports in general this time of year, but specifically college basketball, it is officially stay or go season in college hoops. Some guys are deciding to declare. Some guys are deciding to stay uh, stay in school. Some guys are entering the portal. There's just a lot of player movement right now. But as I said last episode, at this time, about four or five years ago, before the portal, the only thing that we really talked about was stay or go NBA draft decisions. Now it feels like it's taking a little bit of a backseat 
to the transfer portal. With that said, though, the teams that are getting players back, Donovan Klingon at UConn, couple of Duke guys, Trevin Brazil at Arkansas, I am here to tell you those guys are actually bigger than basically any portal commit you can get. And so I bring it up because over the last couple of weeks, Duke has had a, a, a couple of really good weeks from the state or go news. We're going to get into all of it in a minute. But the big centerpiece piece of news that everyone's been trying to figure out, Kyle Filipowski, uh, starting forward this year, kind of a stretch center, whatever. He was Duke's leading scorer this year, and he was Duke's leading rebounder this year. And I think most people assumed he was a one and done. He was going to go pro, all that good stuff. But over the last couple weeks, you started to hear some whispers, a little bit of quiet noise in the background. Could Kyle Filipowski come back for a second year of college basketball? This after averaging 16 points, nine rebounds per game for Duke, and he was their best player all season. Well, I bring it up because on Tuesday morning, very early in the day, we got the news that Kyle Filipowski, Duke's leading scorer and rebounder, he will, drumroll please, he's coming back to Duke. This is big. This is huge for college basketball. I think this is something very interesting in terms of a trend to keep an eye on. And I'll just tell you this. As a guy who had UConn as my preseason number one coming out of that title game a few nights ago, it's hard not to argue that right now, today, this second, Duke should be the number one team in the country going into 2023-2024. So first of all, as I said, for people who don't know Kyle Filipowski, really, really, really talented player, about six foot 11, seven feet, skilled, kind of that new age big guy, right? He can pass a little, he can handle, he shoots the three ball pretty well. But more than anything, he was just a really, really good player at Duke this past season. As I said, 15 and a half points per game, nine rebounds. Um, you know, he's not an elite athlete. He's not an elite rim protector. But like I said, he's pretty skilled. A, a, a reasonable three-point shooter shot about 29%. Not great, but obviously for seven feet tall, that's not terrible either. Um, but he was interesting because he was a guy that was probably a fringe-ish first-round pick had he declared for the draft, and instead he'll come back. And so that's actually where I want to start this conversation because to me, I think that he and Duke can be a poster boy for what I believe might be a new trend in college basketball going forward. And so when you look at college basketball where it is right now, I think that NIL has completely changed everything. And we talk about the negative of NIL and players are being bought and players are being sold and players are being convinced to enter the transfer portal, all that good stuff. But NIL does have some redeeming qualities besides the fact that the players that are making so much money are getting a cut of it now. But where I think NIL is getting interesting is this, is that if you follow college hoops, you know that in the pre-NIL and certainly the pre-portal world, um, guys like Kyle Filipowski that were fringe first rounders, maybe a second rounder, maybe potentially going undrafted, those guys in the old days, they just declared for the NBA draft, right? If you came in as a McDonald's All-American, have a good season, a bad season, whatever, virtually everybody they just kind of entered the NBA draft because the, the reality was, and I know that guys were making money, but the reality was that even three, four years ago, the option was come back to college and take some no money at all or illegal inducements or go pro and make something. And who knows how much it's going to be, but whatever. Something's better than nothing. We all got bills to pay. I get it, okay? 
And so I bring it up because NIL got put in two off seasons ago, but last off season, I thought we saw a very interesting trend last off season. We saw guys that previously would have just declared to go make some money, whether it was overseas, whatever, come back to play college basketball guys that would have never been drafted said, you know what, rather than trying to grind through the G league or go overseas, I'm going to come back and play college basketball next year. This time last year, drew Timmy decided to come back for another year of college basketball. Hunter Dickinson, Oscar Shibway, Trace Jackson Davis. The list goes on and on and on. Take some money, in some cases really good money, to play college basketball rather than go pro. And so I bring it up because that was a trend that I noticed last year. But this is the trend that I'm noticing in 2023 going into 2024. Now, I think that players that are even second-round picks – Now, not all of them. Some of them are just going to go and make their money and whatever. But I think some players that are now second-round picks are sitting there saying, even if I'm a second-rounder, depending on where I go to school, I can probably make more money playing college basketball than I can as a pro. And so the paradigm has changed. Um, You can make real money playing college basketball. You can actually work on a degree. I know we don't think of college sports as an academic enterprise anymore. But you can work towards a degree. All these kids love being on college campuses. Make no mistake, every marquee player said they would have come back to college if they could have, but the money was too good to go pro. But I bring it up to just very simply say, now I think you start to see second rounders, guys that aren't guaranteed first rounders saying, you know what, let me just come back and make some money in college. We saw it with Trevin Brazil at Arkansas, Donovan Klingon at UConn. But I believe that Duke actually might be at the forefront of this. We could criticize Duke for whatever, and oh my God, they're overrated, and John Shire this and John Shire that. But what's interesting about Duke, look at their roster for next year. Kyle Filipowski would have definitely been drafted, may have been a first-round pick. He decides, you know what? Rather than even risking it, I'm not ready. I'm going to get money at Duke. I'm going to come back. Duke's third-leading scorer, Tyrese Proctor, was a five-star in last year's recruiting class. Tyrese Proctor says, you know what? I'll probably be a second rounder if I declare, but I know I'm not ready. It's fun being a student at Duke. I'm going to come back for my sophomore year. Mark Mitchell, Duke's fourth leading scorer, probably a second round pick, maybe undrafted, decided, you know what? Rather than taking the risk of going to the NBA, I'm going to come back for next season. And so this is a fascinating trend, and I'm curious to see if it has a trickle down effect where guys that are now second-round picks just say, screw it, give me the money in college, I'm having fun, I'm coming back. Now, in the bigger picture, what I also think this does for me, this solidifies Duke as the preseason number one team going into next year, assuming that Jeremy Roach, who is going into his junior year, he is testing the NBA draft waters, assuming that Jeremy Roach comes back. I think Duke is number one. Because at the end of the day, they right now, this is what Duke is bringing back. And remember, criticize Duke, Make fun of Duke, whatever. This was a team that entering the NCAA tournament, they won the ACC tournament, and overall, they had won nine straight games going into the NCAA tournament. Remember, they beat Miami in the ACC tournament. Miami made the Final Four. They beat North Carolina, not a very good team, but whatever. They beat NC State, a tournament team. They beat Virginia comfortably in the ACC tournament. This was a really good team. And now, with Kyle Filipowski back, he is the face of a team that could return its top four scores from last year. Now, they did lose a couple players 
to the NBA draft. Derek Whitehead, who did not play well, but he was mostly injured, declared he's going to go pro. Same with Derek Lively. But you're talking about a team that by the end of the year was probably one of the top 10, 12 teams in college basketball, potentially returning its top four scores. They're going to be number one, especially because, oh, by the way, they have a top two recruiting class headlined by four of the top 20 players in college basketball. So now you got four starters essentially coming back, and they're now being backed up by really good players. Sean Stewart, five-star, kind of a combo power-ish forward. He'll probably be a backup next year, really good backup. Caleb Foster, Jared McCain, two really good guards, would have started, now they're backups. TJ Power, a big guy, a backup. And so look, stuff can change. If Adama Sonogo and, and Andre Jackson come back, maybe UConn's number one next year. If, you know, Kentucky or Kansas kills it in the portal, maybe they're number one. But as I always say, the show is tonight. And right now, this second, if I had to rank a number one team, we're going to update my top 25 on Aaron Torres Online on Wednesday. Duke would be my number one team. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. At the same time, Kyle Filipowski coming back for another year of college basketball wasn't the only news at Duke on Tuesday. That's because at almost the exact same time, that Duke forward, Kyle Filipowski, leading scorer and leading rebounder, we just talked about him, announced that he is coming back to college basketball for a sophomore season. Duke's top-rated recruit, Mackenzie Mbako, I think he might be the best player in high school basketball. We'll discuss that in a minute. Number seven in the 24-7 sports rankings. Mackenzie Mbako been committed to Duke for about a year now. Signed his letter of intent in November. Mackenzie Mbako decommits. And so what I want to do now, Mackenzie and Baco, by the way, about a 6'8", 6'9", forward. We're going to discuss him in a minute. But what I want to do now is break down why he decommitted, what it means for Duke, but then also specifically, he's a really good player. Where could this end up? And so listen, let's call a spade a spade. One thing about this show, there's no BS, no nonsense, no tomfoolery on this show, okay? And let's call a spade a spade. I don't think it's a coincidence that Mackenzie and Baco announced he is going to reopen his recruitment on a day that Kyle Filipowski announced that he was coming back and on a day that, uh, or in, you know, a couple weeks after Mark Mitchell announced that he's coming back. Mackenzie and Bako's about six, eight, six, nine, kind of a combo forward, kind of a small ball four-ish type guy, maybe a three in a big lineup. But I think he looked at the situation when he committed to Duke, and I'm not blaming John Shire for this, but when he committed to Duke, the assumption is Mark Mitchell's a one and done. Kyle Filipowski's a one and done. There's going to be plenty of playing time. And so when the both those guys come back, Mackenzie and Baco says, wow, I'm supposed to be a lottery pick in the 2024 draft. I don't got time to sit behind these guys and, and wait my turn. This ain't 1986 anymore. Okay, I'm going somewhere where I can play. And so what I will say about what I think is a good trend, good players returning to college basketball, it is also a reality 
that this is going to be a balancing act and a juggling act for coaches like John Shire, John Calipari, all these guys that recruit elite players. Because on the one hand, you're thrilled to get back a Kyle Filipowski, a Mark Mitchell, a Tyrese Proctor. But on the other hand, you're selling the next recruiting class that all oh, these guys are one and done. There's going to be plenty of playing time for you. And so what ends up happening is if you're John Shire, you don't want to push a guy out that that wants to be at your school. But you also now are going to run into situations where five-star freshmen don't want to be a backup, don't want to sit behind veteran guys. And so this is kind of the reality of what's going to happen. Now, is this going to happen all the time? I don't know, because I don't know if we're going to get Kyle Filipowski's and Mark Mitchell's now deciding to come to co- come back to college basketball. But this is the new reality. So with it, McKenzie and Baco is essentially a free agent. I'll say this, man. Like, we spent a lot of time on this show talking about the portal and this and that and the other thing. I'm just here to tell you, I think McKenzie and Baco, outside of maybe Hunter Dickinson, He's probably the best player available right now, this second end of story. And so I bring it up because we spent so much time talking about the portal. This is the instant impact player that I think everybody wants because I believe he, listen, they say, they don't say they're right. The, the, The recruiting experts, the NBA draft guys say the 2024 high school class is not a great class in terms of NBA talent. But I'm here to tell you, I think McKenzie and Baco is right up there as the best NBA prospects in this class of 2023. Not saying he's number one player, whatever. But there's a short conversation for best future NBA players, whether it's uh, DJ Wagner going to Kentucky, Justin Edwards going to Kentucky, Ron Holland going to Texas, whoever those players are. I think McKenzie and Baco might be number one. And so because of it, I'm here to tell you, this recruiting sweepstakes is going to be fascinating going forward. So the question becomes, with him being available, what are the realistic landing spots? And let me start by saying I do think there is one that has jumped to the forefront of pretty much everybody's list. It's Louisville. And I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying it's the move that I would advise McKenzie and Baco to make. But it is the move that I think feels probably most likely. For people who don't kind of follow the tea leaves, Mackenzie and Baco was committed to Duke. One of his key recruiters was Nolan Smith, who left Duke for Louisville last offseason after Coach K's retirement to be on Kenny Payne's staff. So if you follow the tea leaves, there's a natural connection. Nolan Smith is kind of a Northeast guy, grew up in the Philly area, uh, was one of Mackenzie and Baco's lead recruiters. Now the door's open and Mackenzie and Baco can go to Louisville. As I said, I'm not sure if that's the advice that I would give him. Because Louisville's in a wild spot for next year. So on the one hand, credit to Kenny Payne. They've done a good job bringing in talent this offseason. Sky Clark transferred from Illinois. Uh, Dennis Evans, five-star from uh, from uh, California. Trenton, uh, Trenton Flowers. I was going to say Trenton Waters, which I think I think, I think I was thinking of Tremont Waters. But Trenton Flowers, five-star kid reclassified. But if McKenzie and Baco goes... He's the star, he's the focal point, he's the center of attention. Maybe that's good, but it's a weird deal because the talent is increased, but I think Kenny Payne is still very much sort of on the hot seat going into 2023-2024. If you have a season, you're going to be better, but if you if you don't make the tournament, I think there's at least a possibility Kenny Payne doesn't come back, and I would say this, this is no disrespect because I was the guy trumpeting up Kenny Payne should be the guy. I think he's got a lot to show between the lines on the court. This was a team, Louisville, Louisville was like historically bad last year. 
Louisville was historically bad last year. Like, like I'm not a huge Ken Palm guy. I respect him. He works hard. But the, the analytics, I think, said that uh, uh, this Louisville team was the worst power conference team in the history of the Ken Palm era. I think that's right. If not, it's pretty close. And so you betting your career on that, that feels like a risk. Now, maybe McKenzie and Baco is so good that it does not matter. But that is not what I would advise them to do. Now, what are other realistic options? Well, one, I saw Jack Pilgrim, Kentucky Sports Radio, suggested UNC could be in the mix. That one makes sense to me. Because, listen, I know Hubert Davis had a tough year. But as I've said many times, feels like they're trying to pin that all on Caleb Love. Armando Baycott is back. RJ Davis is back. And it seems like they've been trying to find that big wing scorer forever. Now, they added Jalen Withers, ironically, from Louisville on Tuesday, and they added Paxson Wojcik, a shooter from Brown, a few weeks ago. But they need that big wing, difference maker, get buckets, NBA superstar type talent. And I think North Carolina would make a ton of sense. And I think I'll, I'll say this. I saw what happened with Carolina this year. He goes to Carolina. I'm putting him in my top 10. I, I just am. With R.J. Davis, Jalen Withers, Wojcik, as I said, Armando Baycott, some of the freshmen they have coming in. So I think they make sense. A couple others that kind of stand out. One, I'll say this. I think G League Ignite, the the, the professional pathway, they're going to come full speed ahead. Jason Hart, I've said many times, former USC assistant, now runs that program. He's a great recruiter. He's a great talent developer. And if McKenzie and Baco doesn't want to go to college, that route makes sense. And then just a few others. I, I don't think they're very realistic, but they sort of make sense. One, our Torres on St. John's account tweeted out that St. John's has been in contact with McKenzie and Baco. Listen, I'll say this, man. If you're going to go to Louisville and it be up in the air, like, is this coach good? Is it going to work? Is it not good? Just go to St. John's. Play in the garden every night and be the face of that revival under a Hall of Fame head coach. One thing I'll say, you be a star. The NIL money would be great. Um, and you're actually going to be playing for a Hall of Famer. Like, like you can debate which team is better and which one's a bigger rebuild. Playing at St. John's, though, you're the, the king of New York and you're playing for a Hall of Famer. You will get developed into an NBA prospect. The other one, I've had quite a few UConn fans reach out to me asking, could UConn get into the mix he was originally recruited by UConn. I'll say this. I think the timeline probably won't work out. But if you're looking for some Andre Jackson insurance, Andre Jackson, the starter who I think he'll probably test the NBA draft waters. As I record here, it's about midday on uh, Tuesday. He has not announced anything. That would be some pretty good Andre Jackson insurance. Uh, but I do don't necessarily think that UConn would be the team five-man recruiting class. It doesn't feel like they're really pursuing anything in the portal other than uh, other than a shooting guard to replace Jordan Hawkins. So those are my thoughts on McKenzie and Baco, but I'm here to tell you, man, that's a really good player, and I think he's going to be a difference maker wherever he goes. If I had to handicap it, I guess Louisville, this is one I don't feel great on, but fascinating story to watch unfold over the next couple weeks. All right, this is what I want to do. Want to take a quick break, and when I come back, we're going to do a little bit of portal stuff, but then I want to get to a College Hoops mailbag. Got some great questions on Adama Sonogo at UConn, on Yugana Onyenso from Kentucky. Very interesting development there. 
Going to talk a little bit about our boy, Big Rick Energy, Rick Patino. What's going on at St. John's? Take a quick break. Discuss all that next. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we'll get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here and nobody has you covered quite like Betfred. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,200 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast and all things Aaron Torres media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. You've seen the Betfred Sportsbook suite at Bengals games. It is hopping. We have sent listeners of this show to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitches at Colorado Rockies games. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred Sportsbook does. And here is what they are doing for the NBA playoffs. How about this for a deal? Bet $50 on any game, all playoffs long, get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, here is what else Betfred does for you. They're going to give you up to $200 in insurance for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So, Maybe you make a bad pick. We all do. We've all been there. Trust me. You followed my picks in March Madness. It happens. So you bet 200. Doesn't work out. Get 200 insurance for the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, equating up to $1,111 in free bets thanks to Betfred. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred does. Love working with them. They are the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod. Tell them Torres sent you. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app right now all right everybody i am back gonna be back gonna be back do want to switch gears and and so here's the deal right is that really over the past i don't know two two and a half three weeks we have done a ton of transfer portal news and notes who's in the portal where are they going who's committing all that good stuff including on Sunday and Monday show, really. But we did just a mega transfer portal news and notes segment. We talked about Tremont Mark and LJ Cryer and all that good stuff. So what I want to do is just very, very, very quickly rip through some transfer news and notes. And then I do want to get to some mailbag questions. We had a, we've had we had a bunch of questions on YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter, etc. 
And so I want to take a minute to just hit on some of your questions, answer them here, and we will get out of here. In terms of the transfer portal stuff, really actually a pretty quiet couple days in terms of players entering. But what is now starting to happen is a lot of players are committing. Again, on uh, on Tuesday's show, or Monday's show, excuse me, we talked a lot about Tremont Mark, about LJ Cryer, etc. But there was a slew of commitments on Monday, so let's get into them really quick. Uh, the first one, I think the biggest one, Kalel Ware, 6'11", center, originally from Arkansas, played one year at Oregon, was a McDonald's All-American last year, went to Oregon, decides to enter the transfer portal, was a projected lottery pick coming into the season. He made his transfer portal decision, and he is headed to play for Mike Woodson and in Indiana, baby. That's right, my boy, Mike Effin Woodson, baby. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. And what I'll say is this. There are more high-profile players that have gone into the portal, Caleb Love, Hunter Dickinson, etc. There's not a player with more potential upside than Kalel Ware. Again, six foot eleven, elite athlete, very skilled. He can actually handle the ball reasonably well, shoots the three ball reasonably well. But two things kind of kept him from reaching his potential this year. One, Oregon just wasn't the right spot for him. They had a veteran in Infali Dante. They had a veteran in Nathan Biddle. Basically, Kalel Ware was pushed to backup status. Because of it, he plays at Oregon. He has some really good games. Like he had 15 points and like nine rebounds when they played UConn early in the season. So the guy is capable, but his 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 role kind of fluctuated, averaged about six and a half points, five rebounds, about one and a half blocks per game. And now he's headed to Indiana, which I think is really about as good of a fit as you could possibly ask for if you're Kalel Ware. Why it's a good fit, it's pretty straightforward. One, this is a guy that needs to develop and needs to get to the league. At least that's the plan. Well, my boy Mike Effin Woodson is a former NBA head coach. If anyone is able to get, uh, you know, the, the tap the untapped potential in Kalel Ware, it's probably Mike Woodson. Two more importantly is Indiana just doesn't have a lot of bodies right now. Trace Jackson Davis gone. Race Thompson graduated. Jalen Hood Shafino is going pro. And so they just need dudes. They just need bodies. And there is nothing keeping Kalel Ware from playing 32, 33, 35 minutes a game if he proves to be good enough. Now, the big thing with Kalel Ware, um, uh, I'll just say it, is that in the past, his motor hasn't always been great. I've said it a few times, but Paul Biancardi, I remember him saying it during the McDonald's All-American game last year. Nobody in this 2022 class, not Brandon Miller, not Nick Smith, not Cason Wallace, nobody has more potential than Kalel Ware, but it's about tapping into it. He's headed to Indiana, Mike F. and Woodson. I think he's going to have a ton of success. Let's keep it going. Because it's been interesting. There has been one high-profile coach who has been really, really, really quiet since he got the job. Not talking about my boy Big Rick Energy. I'm talking about, instead, remember, Chris Beard is now the head coach at Ole Miss. That sounds crazy. It sounds weird. It's funny. When all these recruits kind of release their top five lists or whatever, you kind of forget that Chris Beard is at Ole Miss. But he is there. And whether you agree with the decision for Ole Miss to hire him or not, he is going to be a problem, a big-time problem in the SEC going forward. And on Monday, he got his first major commit, Brandon Murray, six foot six wing, who played last year at Georgetown. Now, what's interesting about Brandon Murray is a few things. One, really good player. 13.5 points per game, was Georgetown's probably best player, and this is after transferring from LSU last year. 
So played at LSU, was part of the All-SEC freshman team, has a great freshman year, goes to Georgetown, is one of the few bright spots. But that's also kind of where the catch is with Brandon Murray. Is the question becomes, um, is he going to be eligible next year? Because the NCAA is supposedly going to start to crack down on multiple-time transfers. Well, Brandon Murray started his career at LSU. Will Wade gets fired, goes to Georgetown. Patrick Ewing gets fired at Georgetown. And so the question because becomes, does the NCAA show any mercy for this kid? Two schools, two coaches get fired, or do they make him sit out? It'll be fascinating to watch, but if this kid plays, I think he's an all-SEC kind of player, and he's probably immediately uh, Ole Miss's best player. Worth noting, by the way, I'm recording here about 7 p.m. Eastern time on uh, on Tuesday. Jamarion Sharp, the seven foot five center from Western Kentucky, has a crystal ball to Ole Miss. Uh, a couple other players at Ole Miss have crystal balls as well. So I bring it up to say, Chris Beard ain't done yet. And I think when it's all said and done, he's going to have an NCAA tournament caliber team at Ole Miss next year. Look out. Hotty toddy, gosh almighty. Don't know how much we've talked about Ole Miss basketball on this show. That's going to change. Very quickly, uh, let's head to the Big East. Mentioned first year head coach Chris Beard. Well, first-year head coach Ed Cooley is off to a rip-roaring start. In about 24 hours from about 9 p.m. Eastern on Sunday to 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday, they got three commitments at Georgetown. Jaden Epps, a guard that played at Illinois, about 10 points per game last year, really good player, commits to Georgetown. So does Rowan Brumbaugh, former four-star who played at Texas this past year. He actually redshirted, so he didn't really play very much. Um, and then on top of that, Dontres Styles, a former four-star who played at North Carolina. Nothing to really say other than Georgetown just needs bodies. I think the best guy in that group, Jaden Epps, was a freshman, averaged close to 10 points per game as a freshman in the Big Ten. He's going to be able to contribute in the Big East next year. Really good player, really talented player, and I'm excited to see this team that Georgetown and Ed Cooley uh, put together going forward. As far as everybody else, listen, it's going to be a process. But it, what keeps sticking out to me, Ed Cooley at Georgetown, Rick Pitino at St. John's, both of those programs should be elevated. This league is going to be tough. By the way, speaking of the Big East, Sean Miller, that guy is a dog on the recruiting trail. He got Davian McKnight, the uh, uh, leading scorer at Western Kentucky. He will be coming to Xavier. I think Xavier's right around a fringe top 25 team with this kid, 14 and a half points per game. Uh, Xavier's two best guards, Sule Boom and Colby Jones, are gone. Uh, Sule Boom graduated, Colby Jones to the NBA. So Xavier needed some backcourt help, and they got it. Finally, one more note from the portal. Harrison Ingram, wing, Stanford for the past two years. That recruitment is starting to pick up and get very interesting. So Harrison Ingram, former McDonald's All-American from the Dallas area, Averaged about 10.5 points per game as a freshman two years ago at Stanford. Decides to enter the NBA draft process. Comes back. Everybody thinks he's going to play his way into the NBA first-round draft conversation. It doesn't work. He ends up transferring this offseason. And it appears as though it is a blue-blood battle royale for Harrison Ingram. North Carolina has been in contact multiple times. Ingram is from Dallas. So because of it, Kansas, Kansas is kind of a a Dallas, like there's a weird, you know, they're both in the big 12 footprint. Uh, Kansas, Jalen Wilson is from Dallas. Marcus Garrett, the former players from Dallas. So they have ties to Dallas. Harrison Ingram in the mix for Kansas. And then also Kentucky. 
They haven't really reached out to a ton of transfers, at least not publicly. Harrison Ingram is one of them. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with this kid. I think he's an NBA player, not an elite athlete, but he 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 can be a 16-point-a-night guy at one of these schools. Uh, my guess is that it ultimately comes down to Kansas and North Carolina. I just think there's more of a need for a player of his caliber. Kentucky has Justin Edwards, the five-star freshman. My hunch is that Harrison Ingram ultimately ends up at North Carolina, but that's worth keeping an eye on. And when he commits, by the way, we'll talk more and we'll do more portal coming up, but it just feels like, like I said, there's been so much portal talk the last few weeks felt like a good idea to just slow it down for half a second. All right. So this is what I want to do now before we get out of here. I do want to wrap with a college hoops mailbag. Okay. So college hoops, I've been doing so much content. Um, I've just been getting a lot of questions. And so I figured rather than turn them into individual segments, we'll just do a mailbag. I'll just steal your questions from YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and we'll roll from there. A couple really interesting ones. The first one actually came in from YouTube, a follower on YouTube named Scotty King. He says, with Andy Borman on Memphis's staff, there's chatter that Adama Sonogo could enter the portal and play one season at Memphis. I believe he'll enter the draft as a borderline lottery pick. Or does he run it back with Dan Hurley? As a UConn fan, what's your take on Adama's situation? All right, so for people, you got to be like in the Twitter weeds to know this. But this has been a story since before I even left Houston. The confetti is falling on UConn. And I'm getting hit up via DM. Hey, are you hearing this Adama Sonogo to, to Memphis transfer news? What is the deal with that? So over the last couple of days... I looked into this and I got some actually, I, I think some very good information that you might not hear anywhere else uh, as it pertains to this. Now, again, as Scotty actually referenced, one of Adama's former AAU coaches, Andy Borman, is on the Memphis staff, but it's a little bit more complicated than just that. And what I would say is a couple things, and we're going to talk about this in a minute with Ugana Oyenso from Kentucky. But one thing that I would say about the NIL era is that now that the money is out in the open, now that the transfer portal is a thing, I think what we're starting to see is that I, I think you guys and girls as fans are now starting to see what a lot of us who've covered the sport for years see. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that don't have kids' best interests in hearts in their heart that just want to do what's best. I've said for years, whenever there's a weird recruiting situation, there's almost always an adult behind the scenes with their hands out. Now, to be clear, there are some great adults that always have their kids or their the, the, the kids' best interests at heart, okay? So I'll give you an example. I remember talking to Paolo Bancaro's parents when Paolo was maybe a sophomore in high school. For people who don't remember, Paolo's parents both were athletes at University of Washington, and early in his recruitment, it was a, for, a, a done deal that everyone assumed he was going to Washington. I remember talking to Paolo's dad about this, and Paolo's dad was like, it's my son's decision. I would never stop him from doing what he thinks is best. That's just not the way we parent him. We want him to make the decision that's best for him. We want what's best for him ultimately. And we want him to make his own decision so that he can't look back in five, 10 years and say, I made the wrong decision. Clearly he made the right decision. Went to Duke was the number one pick. Uh, the Mobley family, Eric Mobley and his wife, Evan Mobley's dad, great family. So there are great, great, great families out there. This is what I can tell you about the Adama Sonogo situation. There is currently, and I've got this from multiple sources, 
There is an adult in Adama Sonogo's life, not the guy at Memphis, not Andy Borman. There's a guy that is very loosely associated with Adama Sonogo that is telling teams, telling schools, hey, for the right price, I can deliver you Adama Sonogo. Now, here's where it gets complicated. One, I don't think he really has the blessing from Adama Sonogo to actually um, to actually be doing this. That's one. Two, where it gets complicated is any NIL with Adama Sonogo is complicated because he's an international student. So it's not as simple as just fill in the blank. We'll use Memphis in this hypothetical. It's not as simple as just Memphis saying, hey, we'll offer you fill in the blank NIL. 500,000, a million, a million five, two million, whatever it is. It's more complicated than that because he's an international student. He can't just show up. You can't just write him a check or you're putting his entire, not only forget NCAA eligibility, you're putting his eligibility as a, a, a person living in the United States in jeopardy. This is, by the way, what happened with Oscar Shibway all year. Oscar Shibway was very limited in what NIL he could do. But the point I'm trying to make is that's not stopping certain adults that are peripherally involved with Adama Sonogo from saying, hey, we can help you get Adama Sonogo for the right price. What I can tell you, while this is happening, I don't see Adama Sonogo playing in any other college uniform. As I record right now, it's about, again, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. No official decision has been made. I expect, again, per multiple sources, I think he is going to declare for the NBA draft. Um, and I think he's going to go through the process with the intent that I'm staying in. Now, what ends up happening if, if he's a second-round pick, if he's undrafted, that's where it gets interesting. I think right now, the goal, go to the pros, be a pro. If that doesn't work, then I think it's most likely that he comes back to UConn. What I will also say is that, you know, and I've heard others say this about Oscar Shibway. People are like, if Oscar Shibway comes back to Kentucky, Kentucky's not getting in a bidding war to keep him. If Adama Sonogo were in theory to go through the NBA draft process and somebody was to offer him some sort of crazy, 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 crazy amount of money, then I think he would consider entering the portal. But my, my knowledge of this situation, he wants to go pro. He wants to be an NBA player. He wants to work down that path. If he comes back, I would say with most certainty it would be at UConn. But again, if there's some crazy dollar amount, I don't think it's inconceivable, but I would put it at like 3% to 5%, again, because it's more complicated than just, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of money. Speaking of which, this actually leads very nicely to my next question. This comes from, uh, let's see, who is this? Wildcat Rewind on YouTube. He said, Aaron, do you think Agana Onyensu comes back to Kentucky? He was being told to transfer by his family, but badly wants to play for the Cats. So this is another situation, very similar. I think we've talked about this previously on the show. But Ghana Onyensu was a five-star player in the class of 2023. He reclassified and enrolled to Kentucky this year, basically under the assumption that he was going to be uh, a redshirt this year at Kentucky. Played a few games, was Oscar Sheepway's backup, and then 2023, it was going to be his time. He actually, after Kentucky lost to Kansas State in the NCAA tournament, talked in the locker room about, I learned so much from Oscar, I'm ready to be a leader of this team. Talked publicly about coming back next year. Well, give it a week, give it two weeks, and he entered the transfer portal. And, you know, my understanding, and I've heard other people talk about this again, Jack Pilgrim, KSR does a great job, is that basically the adults in his life 
felt like there is an NIL package that is better for him than what Kentucky is offering. Again, complicated international student, but you get the point. Where it gets interesting is that basically the latest reporting is that the NIL packages that everybody thought were out there might not be available and Ugana Onyensu might come back to Kentucky. What I can tell you is right now, listen, my understanding is a couple things. One, they're going through the process. They're seeing what's out there. What I can also say, the schools that I heard would be interested in him, I never believed would get into a bidding war over NIL. Again, we just talked about UConn. UConn is taking care of its players, but UConn is not write a blank check to get XYZ player, especially, by the way, an unestablished player, especially at a position that really isn't of need because they have Donovan Klingon coming back and potentially Adama Sanogo as well. Georgetown was another school that was linked to him. Don't know their NIL setup as well. But again, are you going to cash out your entire NIL check to bring in a guy that isn't established as a college player? And so my understanding is the offers might not be out there. And I think this kid is at least considering coming back to play at Kentucky. I think we'll probably start to get some clarification soon because if the offers aren't out there yet, I don't know if they're going to be. I think Kentucky is where he needs to be. It's where he's comfortable. He knows the coaching staff, but we will see in the coming weeks. Finally, this isn't any one specific question, but I was part of a St. John's Twitter space on Monday night. And in it was obviously a bunch of St. John's fans who are freaking out because as I record, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Tuesday night, Rick Pitino ran off the entire roster and has yet to receive a commitment. Why that's significant is because you still need five players to play basketball. You still have 13 scholarships. And right now, St. John's basically has one player under scholarship. But it's especially interesting because right now, this second, uh, Iona's best player. Remember, Rick Pitino came from Iona. Iona's best player was a player named Walter Clayton Jr. Entered the portal. He's from Florida. Visited the University of Florida. Gators Todd Golden. And then visited St. John's. And everybody assumed he was going to follow Rick Pitino. Well, on Tuesday, he commits to, to Florida. Eschewing Rick Pitino. And I bring it up because St. John's fans are like, if, I, if he can't get his guy, we're screwed. What I would say is, St. John's fans, calm down, take a deep breath. A couple things come to mind with this. One, first of all, this, this is my number one takeaway. You survived Steve Lavin and Norm Roberts and Chris Mullen and Mike Anderson. And now you're freaking out about Rick Patino. Two, what I would also say is it takes time in the portal, okay? Yeah, some guys are committing, but a lot of guys aren't, okay? And I brought this up in the space is that the portal goes a really long time. And you can find pieces really late. Joey Calcaterra, who was a very important part of UConn's national championship team this year, he didn't commit to UConn till July. Now, he was a rotation player, but the point is, you can find guys late in the process. Two, what I would also say is that just because Rick Pitino's best player didn't follow him to St. John's, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Rick Pitino. Like, Ed Cooley's best players didn't even enter the transfer portal. Bryce Hopkins was Ed Cooley's best player at Providence. He didn't even enter the portal. He's staying at Providence to play for Kim English. Um, Devin Carter. I think on the space I said Corey Floyd was their second best player. I'm getting crushed for it on Twitter. Devin Carter, their second best player, didn't even enter the portal. 
And so I just bring it up because not everybody, not just because you coached a guy doesn't mean that he's going to enter the portal, that he's going to follow you. And three, here's my question for a St. John's fan. You're freaking out about this guy, Walter Clayton. Who was this Walter Clayton kid before Rick Pitino? The point being, if he found this kid and turned him into an SEC caliber player, guess what? There's dozens of other kids that he can do the same for. And it's Rick freaking Pitino. Everything he touches, they win. Everywhere he goes, they win. It's going to take time. It's going to be a process. You might not get that first tier of guys that you want, but there's a lot of guys that have entered the portal. There's a lot of guys that aren't sharing their recruitments publicly. I think St. John's is going to be fine. All right, that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, please make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. I got a few more that I did not get to, uh, and we will get to them at a future point on a future show. With that said, it is time for me to get out of here. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You have had Unblock Me Bro. I'll be back on Friday. New episode. Aaron Torres, Sports Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.